Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Bucks Banter Podcast. As always, I am your host, Colin Hallboom. Happy to be here talking Buccaneers in NFL football, especially on a victory Monday, a special victory Monday, because, of course, the Buccaneers are advancing, not without their their wounds, but they are advancing uh, beyond uh, the super wild card weekend, as they call it. And uh, they're going to be heading to the divisional round where, of course, they will play at home, I might add, the winner of tonight's Monday night first in maybe ever in a long time Monday night football playoff game. Um between the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Scott, Bo, my two co-hosts, how are you two doing? What's going on? What'd you think? What's good? Feeling good, feeling great, man. Congratulations. Happy uh, Bucks fans all around. Another victory Monday. And this one, it's a little bit special, right? This is probably the first home playoff game, like true home playoff game that's not a Super Bowl game, uh, where the crowd's a little bit different, obviously, for basically everyone on the roster, right? Yeah, with this regime, man, it is. Like last year, un- or um, unfortunately, you know, Bucks fans yeah. weren't able to really really be a part of the playoff run, so it's nice to see Raymond James packed yesterday. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> oh, good start there. Um, hello, guys. Happy happy Monday. Great great job for the Bucks. I think it's always funny whenever you see, um, like, playoff win totals and stuff in the NFL, and it's like, oh, yeah, they've won – it, just because, you know, you, you think there's been so many playoff games and the league's been along, around for so long. It's like, oh, yeah, this team has six home playoff wins all time or something like that. It's like, well, fan bases can really, you know, remember each of these games. It's not like, you know, the Celtics or the Lakers or the Habs in hockey where, you know, you just have so many playoff series and so many games, right? Like each one of the wins really matters and it really it really counts and like, so it's it's a big deal to win one. So yeah, even against uh, uh you know an outclassed Eagles team, that's a home playoff game that the Bucks won. So awesome. Yeah, totally. And um, I mean, I know the Eagles are not nothing to write home about. I thought the line was too big when it was eight and a half um, because uh, you know everyone was talking about the weather leading up to the game. This like storm thunderstorm coming through tampa um it looked beautiful it looked absolutely yeah. beautiful i gotta yeah, give yeah i gotta give a shout out to scott reynolds and, and probably everyone who's located in the bay area or, well tampa bay area florida <laughs> um who knows that you can't really trust a forecast beyond what you see out your window so that was that worked out well i mean i think it was a lot windier than you could tell on tv i'd love to hear from anyone who was maybe in attendance at raymond james if they're in the comments um which is a good time to remind everyone to check us out on YouTube, uh, Bucks Banter YouTube channel. And we'd love to hear from you guys tonight to uh, know what you want to talk about. The audience through Bucks Report and Bucks Banter are always so great to engage with. So we hope we get to hear from you guys throughout this show. Yeah, um, there, there's a lot to get into. Sorry, Kyle. I just want to talk about that late line movement because obviously a ton of money came in. It was, it was, it moved almost a point and a half uh, Sunday morning. Right. I think it was still eight and a half mm-hmm. on Saturday night, if yes. I remember correctly, before going to bed. And um, like that's a ton of money to against the Bucks to move that all the way down to just a touchdown. Um, I don't know. That was I didn't bet it or anything. I but I was thinking 
really think people are overthinking this one a little bit. Uh, maybe had too much time to to look into to reasons to bet against the Bucks. I don't know. Obviously, easier easy for me to say after Tampa absolutely uh, handled them, and the spread was never really in doubt or anything. But I was surprised that that much money came in on um, on the Eagles. But people were, like if you're on Twitter, like people were really worried about the weather. Like they they yeah. like it, if without knowing if you were just looking on Twitter and everything, you would have thought it was going to be like a game played in the mud, like a total slop fest plus wind where no one was going to score. So I don't know. I found that really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, my best guess in terms of that late line movement was probably more a result of like the Fournette news that trickled out um, Fournette being out. I think like that's the only thing I can attribute it to, but, but that's sorry. And like, you know, here I am, certainly not a professional gambler or anything, but that's like, it just doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Like it just doesn't matter. A running back, like unless it's Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor, you're just not moving the line that much. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that that's not what the reasoning behind the, the people who bet the Eagles was, I, but like you, you even texted me like Fournette is out. Not great. I want I, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't say this, but like it didn't matter that to me, that just means Brady gets to throw more. Right. There's less of a reason to even try. Like, I don't know. I, I just find that interesting. Yeah. Like, I completely understand what you're saying in general. But I think the fact that Ronald Jones already being out made it a little bit more unique because yeah. they're literally depending on Giovanni Bernard, who was just coming off IR, didn't know what they're going to get from him. And a guy who is so unproven in a second year in the league in Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. That's fair. You know, and, and with, with the, receive, the receiving core so depleted, I think. Uh, Leonard Fournette coming back was just such a uh, part going to be such an important part of their game plan. Um, but regardless, you end like you're right. Your philosophy was right because Keyshawn Vaughn yeah. did a damn fine job, and uh, so did so did Gio Bernard. They were both really solid in his absence. Um, in terms of like, I just so of course you know everyone knows Bucks finished. They won thirty one fifteen, but they absolutely like. I thought we were going to get a, a, a Bills New England wild card matchup at first. It seemed like yeah. because. Uh, the Bucks defense looked fantastic, but I want to oh, talk yeah. about the offense first. You know, yeah. um, it it was kind of like the opposite of what we saw in the regular season, right? Like they came out and just punched first. Like they were unbelievably good in the at the start. Totally, and it's funny, Bo, because I tweeted at you, and obviously I, I, I did end up speaking too soon. Yeah, um, we should go back yeah. and delete those. No, no, that's no. okay. Because <laughs> yeah. it did. I said. I, I. I think I prefaced it by saying, "Hopefully, I'm not speaking too soon." Because it looked like they were about to like really step on their throat, but they did what they did and let up a little bit. But in terms of the good things, I mean, Brady was doing what he does, and he was dropping dimes to a wide variety of receivers and tight ends all over the field, all levels. Lots of dink and dunk early on, but I love that. Right, that's one of those things we've talked about a lot with Tom Brady coming into Tampa. Um, huge, huge difference from from what Buccaneers fans could expect from from Jameis Winston in the previous previous group in that well really it's Tom Brady difference from any other quarterback but just his ability to take what the defense gives him and not feel any sort of pressure to stretch the ball down the field when he doesn't have to that first drive was fantastic love how Leftwich and Brady NBA whoever was involved in that that opening drive script um mixed up the run in the past I thought it was lovely everything yeah, was and, yeah go sorry I couldn't agree more just like without having to push the ball down the field because like you can tell Philly was was aware of it didn't want to get beat that way and it was just dump offs little outs you know some successful runs obviously and without a big play I'm pretty sure uh like at all on that first drive they just 
like strutted down the field and into the end zone. Right. That's impressive. And honestly, like, that's when I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, if they're going to move that easily without connecting deep with Evans or, or, or like busting a run, like what is Philly going to do during this whole game? Cause you know, Brady's going to get the ball out quick, right? Like that's just what's going to happen. Like I thought that was about as bad a sign for Philly as, uh, as possible that opening drive. For sure. Um, Mike Cooper says, welcome to Florida, raining six miles away. Mm. Uh, referring to our discussion about the weather earlier. Uh, Richard Rayborn wants to know how much how much the line movement, how much did it actually move? I know it opened at eight and a half. What did, did you yeah, see? One and a, yeah, seven. It was seven at kick. Yeah. Um, yeah so wow. one and a half points. Pretty big, pretty big shift there. Uh, Tony Brasio on YouTube says, let's go Cardinals. Yeah, we'll get into that. Obviously, we're going to preview, tee up that game that's going down tonight, the last of the wild card playoff, playoff games. Uh, big implications for Tampa, of course. And it's like similar to Tony, I'll be cheering hard for uh, Arizona Cardinals upset because I think that's a much better matchup for the Buccaneers. I think most teams would feel that way. I do. I, I need to, you know, while we're talking about the offense, I mean, I'm just going to get right to it. Both Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen appeared to be hurt pretty badly at different points of the first half of this game, as everyone saw. Wirfs was rolled up on, and, you know, we've since learned it was an ankle. Really frustrated I was to see him back in the game. I think they were up 17 nothing at that point. I, yeah. had, I had made that opinion very clear in the Twitter sphere, and, and you know, uh, I was just – frustrated because it just did not seem necessary to get Wirfs back in there. You can say, Oh, you know, he, he probably really talked him into it and this and that. No, man, like, like he was in a lot of pain. It was obvious. There's just no need. You never know him coming back in for that, that rep where he put all his weight on it. Maybe that ends up turning this from a, from a, one, from a one week injury mm-hmm. to a four week injury. I don't know. Like I'm not a doctor, but God, like why risk it? You know, I got it. Yeah. You know what? I was with you and, the more I thought about it, though, I was almost thinking like, okay, he went back out there. He had to have seen that he was out for a while. Um, he missed multiple plays, if not multiple drives, I think. And uh, the doctors had to have taken a look at it fairly quickly and been like, okay, you can't do any more damage to this or something. Hopefully that's what they were saying or that there's a low probability of that. And I think it speaks to Tristan Wirfs being that Iron Man guy who hasn't missed a snap prior to this ever. Um him being able to come back into the game says much more about like, okay, I'm going to be able to play for the rest of the playoffs. And like next week I'm going to play like, regardless of what's going on. Like it's almost the same situation you had. Like when we found out that Brady had that MCL issue in his knee and it was just like, yeah, it's the playoffs. I can gut it out as long as I'm not going to do any more damage to it. I'm the pain is no issue. So I think that's a thing that it, it just comes up this time of year for football players. And it's just like, if it's just pain, you can play through it if it's going to be some sort of damage and they'll hold you out. Totally. And I mean, it mm-hmm. is hard to diagnose that in game, I guess, but regardless, I just felt like you, and you're right. I, I like that. He wanted to be back out there. I yeah. Guess. He's, he's so important for this team. Oh my God. Yeah. And the injuries that they've gone through, it just feels like, you know, like they're not willing to risk it with, with Fournette as they shouldn't with a hamstring. Like I'm glad they're keeping him out till he's ready to go. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, like my eyes did light up when I saw Wirfs come back because at least it told me it wasn't super serious, which is ultimately what you're getting at, Bo. So, you know, I agree. I was very excited in that sense. I had this rush and then I was kind of like, well, wait, let's slow our roll. It looked bad and it looked bad when he left the second time too. It was just like, geez, is he, 
also is he mortal? I, I think I texted you right after that. I think Kerrigan either got a sack or almost got a sack on him, and I was just like, that film should be burned immediately because that's not Tristan Wirfs. Also, the the linemen are just so huge. It looks just yeah. catastrophic when they get hurt, right? Like when they crumple and fall to the ground. It's so oh, it's it's gross. I was having like, you know. I want the Bucks to do well and everything. I, I I want the podcast to continue with wins and onto the and get to preview the Super Bowl. But when Wirfs went down, I was like, no way! Like another yeah. one and him of all people. Like I, you, it's not like you have the mo- most mobile quarterback back there. You need your offensive line to play well. You have this young stud, and then he gets hurt as well. So yeah, I'm I'm totally with both of you guys. Like. I thought it was a good sign, obviously, that he could go back in, but and then you're happy just to, that it wasn't catastrophic, just that the that the fact that he could go back in, but it's like mm, maybe let's just maybe let's just see how he is <laughs> like a hundred percent before we before we put him back in. But um, you know, that's tough to to do. And you don't want to leave any any anything to chance in the playoffs, I guess. So who was your boy that came in there, Colin? Uh to f- spell him for that few drives. He was not, horrible. Not my, not my boy. Josh Wells, our swing tackle, is not my boy at all. He's um, so bad. Was Stinny? Where was Stinny? Was he just hanging out? Like, what's well, going Stinny, on? Stinny's more of a swing. Uh, he's he's a guard. He plays better at guard or like. So that's but, their other option. On. Yeah, they knew yeah. Wells. Wells was not ready. That's why, like you know, t- to be a tackle, I wish Stinny was in there. But I'd rather have just thrown t- Stinny tryout playing tackle. First I think we should have tried it. Yeah. Yeah. I- you said Josh Wells wasn't your boy. I, he's on the he's on the bachelor party list. I don't know what you're talking about. So like, yeah, just just throwing that out there. Well, come on, every, man. every buck gets an invite to my bachelor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then so just unbelievable. Literally, our two most important offensive linemen, arguably outside of Marpet. I mean, the whole O line as a unit is so fantastic. Which which I've just been raving about incredibly all healthy all year too so healthy. Kept on and brady that. loves them eh oh and, and it, yeah. like, brady loves them as he should and it's true right yeah. like it's not just hyperbole like when he says that or when aikman you know uh rephrases whatever brady said about the o-line or bruce arian saying as long as we got tom brady in a healthy o-line our offense is going to put up points it's true like and, and they it's yeah. everything's been so ironclad like no issues there and you just feel at least for me We've had so many of these injuries at so many important positions. I'm like, okay, well, we're not getting hurt anywhere else. Certainly not the O line. Yeah. Literally every other group. Oh my God. Unbelievable. Like that's the one what felt like an impenetrable force of ours that isn't going to be damaged or nicked or whatever. But anyway, Ryan Jensen, our center, all pro caliber center, uh, absolutely all pro caliber. Um, who's had a bit of a bad back this season, but he's a warrior. He got banged up in the middle of a pile. He got twisted or turned up, and um, he was in a significant amount of pain looking at him. Like, he is a tough SOB, and you could just see on his face, man. almost looked like he had tears coming down his face. I did not think we would see him return, but we did. So um, that one, you know, with Jensen, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. Let him keep keep playing. (laughs) Bring him back. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I was – I dude, I thought I saw the same thing with the tears. I'm like, is he just so jacked up that he's just pissed off and like completely overwhelmed, or yeah. did he know that it was bad? And obviously, it was the former and not the latter, right? Like, thank God, what a what a break that was. Obviously, so good for the Bucks. 
Uh, Jim Melvin on Facebook asks, is it official that Jensen in injury is not as severe as Werf's? Um, I would not say it's official. We haven't received official word. Um, Bruce Arians just described all three of those offensive linemen we've discussed. Um, Jensen, Werf's, and swing Bo's favorite swing tackle in the league, Josh Wells, as questionable for next week. So they're going to keep it vague for now until they figure it out. I mean... So we don't want to sit and speculate. I mean, I think Jensen's going to be out there, though. We're not going to speculate. Yeah. Here's some speculation. Jensen will be back. Jensen will be okay. I just, I just saw on uh, on Sports Center that Werfs is in a walking boot, and he said, he, like, as of right now, it's going to be right up until game time um, if he plays. So, like, that's that's something. That's what yeah. Arian said. So yeah, no. If I was that. a betting man, I would, I'd lean that they're both going to play. And that Wells is not going to be playing for personal reasons. Well, Bowden, you are a betting man, and let me uh, let me look up that for you. I'm sure we can we can get some money down on that in like the Cayman Islands or something. Yeah, let's call it in. Yeah. <laughs> Fabian Espinosa on Facebook said, "What is good, gentlemen?" He goes on to say, "When Jensen punched the ground, I thought it was a season-ending injury. I I shared that frustration and or that fear as a fan that you did, Fabian. When I saw it, I saw the same thing. I was like, oh, shit, Jensen is pissed. Like, something's bad. He's in a lot of pain. Um, But sure enough, you know, there he goes coming back. He didn't even miss a snap, to be exact. So, But also, um, yeah, these diehard Bucks fans that are watching every game are probably having, like, nightmares when they see anybody on the ground knowing that, the precedent for this whole season is like, oh, okay, then that's another season ender, right? So, you know, to, to see them both get up and get back into the game must have been just like, holy shit, thank goodness. Yeah. Now, also, while we're talking about these, like, injuries, there were some dirty plays in this game from the Eagles. I'm not like, like, whatever, just so happened. Like, first of yeah. all, Aikman was complaining about that late hit by Derek Barnett on that got flagged, uh, which is whatever as a call. I'm not even, like, have an issue with – his critique oh. of the whistle, but the way that it jarred Brady's leg while it was straight, he hit him in the hip. It looked ugly to me. I was like, oh shit. Dude. And he looked a little sore after that for a sec. I thought, okay, sorry. I forgot about that play. Cause that was, that was like a drive extender on the first drive. Right. Yeah. I thought that was based on what the rule and, and what's been called all year. I thought that was a hundred percent a penalty and maybe it looked worse because you don't usually see someone's, thigh move that way in slow motion when you know 280 pound guys helmet hits it but yeah i was like holy shit i thought something really bad could have happened to brady's leg there that did not look good you saw the exact same thing as me then cap because that's exactly what i saw i wasn't going to speak on the penalty but i was kind of surprised like aikman was acting like it was like we've seen way less where they're like oh yeah that's that's a penalty that's a rough in the passer that's the new rules that's the new rules they know Aikman was like, no, like, I don't know. What are we even doing here? And maybe that was closer to 50-50, but he was making it like it wasn't a, a late hit at all. I thought, I th- okay, maybe there was an argument, but he was describing it like, what are these refs looking at? Which that's just not what I saw at all. Yeah, totally. It, it definitely feels like there's a little bit of like a bounty on Buccaneers' knees because I think the next play you're going to get to Ooh. is that Gronk one, right? The, I forget who it was, but they just – like literally just like looked at his chest, looked at his waist and said, okay, I'm going for his knees. While he, while he was wrapped what up. Else is right? new? Yeah. 
So with Gronk, as is often the case, when he when he gets back into that second level, so it's a safety or, or a cornerback who's got to hold him up. It takes a couple of them, right, just to slow him down. Yeah. Like it's usually yeah. three guys. So one guy holds him up, and Gronk will just happily stand there, like trot a couple steps and wait for the whistle because he knows no one's bringing him down half the time. <laughs> um, I don't know who it was either. It was like their version of Ross Cockrell for all I, I know. I mean, he doesn't look like much of a player. But um, sure enough, yeah, because the, the problem was Gronk was already being held up by the guy's teammate. So there, that one was despicable. Jenna Lane, yeah. Jenna Lane, ESPN Bucks reporter, she tweeted it out today or commented on it and, and shared it on her Twitter timeline. And I was just like, yeah, that's dirt, man. Like, yeah. anyway, I don't want to sit here and hum and haw about that, all that. But like a couple, couple plays where I was like, huh, Barnett was acting like chippy and trying to piss people off. He's lucky Jensen was hurt was in a lot of pain because if Jens if I feel like normally Jensen would have headbutted him, yeah. would have taken his helmet off to headbutt him. Um Richard Rayborn asking who we prefer in tonight's game, who we think we play. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there soon. I want to cover a bit a yeah. bit of the other side of the ball for the Bucks in this game as well. Yeah, as that these yeah. guys saw that they want to talk about. No, just one last thing like they look great and um just in a flow immediately. And the fact that you know they're they were getting off the field, which we'll cover when we talk about the defense. But then just giving the giving Brady so many chances to add to the lead is just so not the recipe to win or or for Philly like to pull an upset, right? And um, yeah, as that first half went on, they just looked more and more comfortable. Um, they kicked a couple field goals, I believe. Uh, you know what? You know it happens. Brady took a sack, but it was when you know the three points were already guaranteed, so it wasn't like he just wasn't going to force a ball into the end zone, right? So that's fine. But uh, yeah, they looked they looked crisp. Mike Evans looked so good. I was glad he got into the end zone because he was he was tackled just on the two or three. I want to say twice before yeah. actually before actually uh, getting in after that quick quick exchange after the Hertz uh, pick in the third quarter there. So um, yeah, they look great. They look great. I I, I think you tweeted this call that uh, they kind of took the foot off the gas a little bit. Um, it looked like they had kind of, all right, we reached our limit for points, but right. I don't, I don't know. Like maybe that's nitpicking. Cause they had, uh, they had just diced and like sliced and diced the Eagles. So, so uh, surgically earlier. So it, it is definitely nitpicking and Bo's been nitpicking at that all year, more or less. And that's kind of, kind of revisits what I mentioned off the top for anyone who's been tuned in from the beginning um, about speaking too early to Bo. Cause you know, I was like, is this the statement game you've been waiting for? And I don't think it would end up cat classified as that because they really did. They were just content running the ball up the middle. It seemed that second half, excuse me, predictably over and over. Part of yeah. the reason as well, like, let's be real here with myself. If this is a mirror I'm looking into, not a camera, I, I would say, Colin, be real. You know, it's because you desperately needed Tyler Johnson to have two catches that half <laughs> to pass the 34 yard receiving oh. mark. Oh, the truth comes out. So it's a bit half and half. It's a half and half. Yeah, hey, yeah, you know what? I would half. I'd give the Bucks a lot of credit for that game. That's that is actually what I want to see from them is coming out early and actually punching the other team first. Um and not playing this like draw in the or what you hope is gonna be a draw at the end of the first half yeah. and then turning it on in the second. Turn it on in the first. And if you can coast in the second, I won't I don't hold that against you because you, you did the work at the start. But yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, for it sure. was it was a good game. They played well. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like NFL team, they don't play four quarters if they don't have to because coaches just want to end games as quickly as possible. Right. Exactly. So like, yeah, it'd be nice to see that like 
Now, I guess the Bills took a different tack than that the night previous as they were very much looking to score on every drive. But that's not the typical yeah. mindset of, uh, of NFL coaches. Like, Arians knew the game was over. Let's get out of here. Let's not get hurt. And, uh, you know, never never in doubt. Obviously, the Eagles put a couple drives together. But, man, they, they look just absolutely inept on offense. So. And let's and the Bills were playing the Patriots, so their step on the throat mentality. Like, let's say this game was just versus the Saints. I feel like maybe the offense would have uh, kept the pedal to the metal a little bit more, but who knows? That's, that's probably fair. That is probably fair. On the defensive side of the ball, we got to talk about the D. I was so happy to see our our defense flying around to get season flying. Guys. First guys back flying. Yeah, you know, like I know they're not the Eagles aren't an offensive juggernaut, and um. I talked about it off the top about, you know, um, many people, myself included, thinking that they could give the Bucks some issues with their rushing attack, especially if the weather was going to be an issue uh, leading up to the game. But I thought the defense stepped up in a huge way. So great to see Shaq, Levante, and JPP all back out there on the field. Shaq, of course, went on to secure a one-handed interception. A little tip drill. That was cool late in the that game. Was, but- that was so – that was such an athletic play. And then a great yeah. run back, too. Like, that was that, – yeah, that was awesome. Like, I'm really happy because I was pessimistic on the status, particularly in regards to um, Shaq Barrett and Levante David, because the Bucks were so quiet about their injuries. We weren't seeing much. And I'm like, are we being overly optimistic here, saying we're going to hope to have them back by the playoffs? Because that's the, all that Bruce would say. But um, they were both out there. They, they didn't play a full snap count as they normally would, but that's f- totally fine. Seems like a perfect tune-up. They came away unscathed. That's the most important aspect of that. Um, so that's fantastic. And the secondary, man, the secondary impressed the hell out of me this game. Our corners yeah. and safeties, I thought, played incredibly well. Not just in coverage, but because, uh, again, you know, Hertz isn't a huge threat to throw the ball. And I swear to God, he wasn't looking comfortable looking anywhere outside of Dallas Goddard. Um, I think, Bo, you talked about it last week, Goddard having a big day potentially. He did end up having a big day, so that would have been yeah. money in your pocket. He's good, needed. man. He is Goddard's really good. good. Goddard's he a great really, player. Yeah, huge catch yeah. radius. He's really good. Yeah, he's really solid good. for sure. Can I jump in really quickly? Because like, even though we we showered like a lot of love onto this Bucks defense when we can, um, I think you guys got the best safeties in the league. And I don't want to take anything away from the Bills because we're going to get to that Bills game, and they they balled out. They're unbelievable. Micah Hyde and uh, uh, what's the other guy's name? Jordan uh, Poyer. 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 Yeah. Um, I was going to say Poirier, but that's a fighter in the UFC. Um, the <laughs> the Bucks like safeties. Okay, maybe they're not the two top two corner uh, safeties in the league, but that's the deepest deepest safety room in the league by far. And like with Mike Edwards coming in, getting that huge pick, and just the love for Jordan Whitehead and uh, uh, Anton Antoine Winfield. Like they're so incredibly good and they're all over the field. And it's just the way that the safety position is supposed to be played at this level. And I just can't say enough about them. I I just love watching them play. I love that. I'm going to like be replaying that when I, when we get this uh, podcast version up over and over, I'm going to make it my alarm clock. Bodan said <laughs> the Bucks have the best safeties in the league. I like how you distinguish it in terms of depth. Um, I recently just tweeted out that that Poyer and Micah Hyde after that Micah Hyde interception early in that game. We'll talk about that that later. That's an absolute but, robbery. Yeah, I know. And um, that was that, that was the, curtains on that game too. By the way, it was that that's play. exactly yeah. what I was going to say, Scott. That was the yeah. curtains on the game. Well said. 
is uh, a perfect throw, by the way. Like that's mm-hmm. in his. Sorry, we're now we're talking that yeah, like yeah, the throw from Mac Jones. It was in his in the bucket. He just high just went over and made a better play. That was unreal. Yeah, but back to the Bucks. Uh, yeah. What you're saying is so true, Bodan, because you're you're acknowledging the safety group as a unit. Um, and if if depth matters, which it obviously does in the NFL, yeah. uh, Mike Edwards is fantastic. He's a safety. He's so he's a, good. He's a starting safety on so many teams, and he's also a ball hawk. Man, the dude makes plays. Like I remember earlier in the year, I was describing. I I dug into the numbers and like per his snap counter, I think John Ledyard actually had, had pushed me in that direction, or had even stated it himself. But from of the pewter report, but um, his his turnover plays per snaps played in the NFL is like at some ridiculous, um, unsustainable rate of positive efficiency. He whatever that. Yeah. What am I saying? And he did. He just kept did it again. He was awesome. Yeah. They were so good. And and they're as so run, good. as run supporters, I would say they're the they're the the best tackling safeties so between Winfield and Whitehead because they're both more of a – I don't want to say they're both more naturally strong safeties. Whitehead is for sure, but Winfield's pretty damn versatile as a cover yeah. like all over the place. But the three of them were on the field a ton together, and that exactly. was so awesome to see. And I know tons of Bucks fans liked it. It looked like a different group. And a lot of – a yeah, lot of just- like. Play your best football players. Get Sean Murphy. No, no offense, Sean Murphy bunting, but I'd rather instead of having you, you know, playing on the outside or or in the nickel, I'd rather you out there. I'd rather those three safeties, Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis. That's the yeah. back five. Because Jamel Dean had a Shut hell of a game too. Someone Jamel Dean was game. awesome too. Carlton Davis should have way more picks than he does have because, but he just doesn't have the ball skills. But I, I, th- I just think when you have three safeties, three really good safeties compared to two pretty like really good ones in Buffalo, I just give me the three because it just there's so much that goes into that that the quarterback gets confused. And I think that's what happened to Jalen Hurts on a bunch of on that pick for sure with Mike Edwards, where they just not sure who's the free safety, who's the strong safety, who's the nickel. Like it's there's so many things that are going on uh pre-snap with when you have that type of versatility in your back end. And it's it's it can't be understated. That was making yeah. it harder for the yeah. offense to figure out what's going on too. So shout out to our guy Matt Marchese, Bills Mafia, Matt Marchese of Sportsnet Five, the, the Fan Five Ninety. He's been on the show, big Bills guy. I'll have to clip this and send it to him about uh, our guy, <laughs> our guy Bo, who's not a Bucks fan. Hear that, folks? He loves our safeties. He loves them. But and sorry, just yeah, just just adding on to the to the uh, secondary talk. First of all, Sean Murphy Bunting sounds like he'd be a member of British Parliament. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it kind of sounds that way. And um, I don't know about you guys, but it's like, you know, when the quarterback extends the play, extends the player as a long, like has enough time to throw. And it's like, all right, someone has just gotten open. Right. Cause you can't see down the field with the coverage. Every time it looked like that was going to be the, the, what was going to happen for Hertz. It what no one was open. It wasn't like yeah. some deep crosser. It wasn't like someone broke off the route and then, you know, it was, and then they, then they came open, like coming back to him. There was always a hand in there. It was always like the throw maybe wasn't the best because the guy was covered. Like there was just, I didn't think Hertz played well, but I also don't, I, but you know, I think it was as, as much as it was Hertz not playing well, it was, you know, the Bucks secondary and the Bucks defense in general forcing his hand. So like, that was great to see. Really well said. Couldn't agree more. And I mean, also like the reason, you know, the Eagles ended up, putting up what 15 points um but that's because the uh, the time of possession in the second half was ridiculous for philly because the bucks were just content to run it three times in a row as i mentioned and punt it up 
Um, so, you know, you're putting them in a bit of a tough spot there. Again, part of my critique of, of the offense, just being a little but, too comfortable, but it worked. So who cares? We're moving on. I want to say we're healthy, but we're not, but <laughs> you know, what's funny though, guys, like, so Tampa gets the ball first and scores, right? So all automatically Philly, a non-explosive offense is, is really beyond the eight belt to at least get a, a couple first downs and flip the field and just have some momentum. So it shows that they're going to be able to move the ball. And I, the first series, it's a third and two, and they have this RPO, and Hertz keeps it, loses three or four yards, punt. Yeah. It, had he pitched it to Sanders, it was it was a dead play. Anyway. So it was like, that just felt like a huge, like, all right, odds are you're going to be down two scores now when you get the ball. And, like, yeah. it's just very hard to win, right? Like, there's only so many possessions in a game. You're going up against Brady at home. Like, that's tough to do. I remember, like, it was – I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, this third and two in the first quarter is just an absolutely massive play to determine like what the flow of this game is going to be. And then boom, like they, they never had a chance. Never. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's really all there is yeah. to say about it. Happy. We don't have to talk about teams like the Eagles anymore um, <laughs> because, Eagles you know, Steelers, see ya. The couple teams still don't necessarily belong. The Eagles were, were one of them. I mean, you know, let's be real with how their season played out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, got, they got a lot of wins versus they, their schedule really favored them in the back half of the season. Someone today I, I, I read called them kind of the Eagle – or sorry, the, the Dolphins of the NFC, and I thought that kind of made sense in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, we're going to be playing a much better opponent next week. That's for damn sure. And, thankfully, uh, that's going to be at Raymond James – so even if it's they're calling for a hurricane, you know, it'll be beautiful just like this past week. <laughs> uh, but what you don't know is who we're going to play. And that's going to be determined tonight. So that's why I want to kind of tee this up because it's the only game yet to be played of the wild card round games. Um, and it's happening tonight. Monday night football, Arizona Cardinals versus the L.A. Rams. SoFi Field. Um, Rams are favored by three. What do you boys think is going to happen here tonight? Just bef before I pass it off to one of you. Um, uh, they're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins. Um, obviously, his injury is pretty serious. There was talk initially when it first happened they might have him back for playoffs. Huge hit, huge hit for them. Um, yeah. They really they they went from being an elite red zone um, converting team to not at all. So without him, and you see why. Not just whether he's catching the ball, but just the the pressure he draws or attention he draws. Pardon me. And but JJ Watt's back, and I don't know how much that moves the needle. But I would say his presence is going to be a factor there. Uh, and it's kind of cool to see J.J. Watt back. I, f I feel like the dude loves football, and he's a good guy, so I'm happy to see him out there. And any help the Cardinals can get tonight, I am all for. I would way rather play the Cardinals, as I think most guys would. So I don't know which one he wants to talk about this game a little bit. I'm going to go grab a beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with that being said, like, the Cardinals, uh, everybody wants to play the Cardinals, and it's because they're not as good as the Rams. Um, but if, like, the way I could see this game playing out is that the Rams – don't roll, but they make it really tough for the Cardinals to get that one drive that would push them over the edge and like actually make it a game game, like a tie it up or to take the lead. Um, and I think the Rams will have multiple chances to score tonight. Um, I just, I can't see, I think Cooper Cup's over under for yards was like 106 yards or something like that. Like he's just kind of penciled in for 100 yard games now. Um, That's an and I think, unbelievable yeah, number. It's, it's like, nuts. I'm not saying it's not like I get it. I understand. No, it's yeah. like, wow, that's so high. That's so high. I know. And, I and you, you, yeah. Yeah. Go if ahead, you Bill, think sorry. about it, like Stafford has like 
Not that he does like Robert Woods is obviously out, but Stafford loves Tyler Higby. He loves OBJ, but still they're saying Cooper Cup's going to be over a hundred yards at average. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, that makes it. I mean, Hey, that, that makes it, I just trust the Rams more right now. Yeah. Uh, I've loved, I've really enjoyed watching the Cardinals all year. I, how, how can you not enjoy watching Kyler play? But they're, they're just not playing very well right now at all. And they haven't for about a month. And, you know, it's obviously part of it. Like Hopkins on the offensive side of the ball and, and, and Watt on the defensive side, that hurts. Like those are big names. Those are big contributors, obviously. The Hopkins one, especially. I just, I don't know. Like the, I have like this weird thing in the back of my mind that's that's just like Arizona's just going to come in here and sneak this game out. I, I don't know why. I I just I have that feeling. I I'm not I'm not touching the game. Like I I prefer the Rams. I think the Rams are going to win, but I can't get fully on board with it because. Let me I ask just, you this. I respect Kyler so much. I don't know. Let, let me ask you this, Scotty, because I was about to ask you this anyway. What is it going to take? for the Cardinals to win tonight? What's got to happen Turn in the game? Over. I think a couple short fields. Stafford. Um, Stafford. Yeah, so maybe a defensive score or at least a killer pick in their own on their own half of the field from the Rams. Maybe like a, I don't know, like a fake punt or something for Arizona to keep the ball. Because I think they're, they, they're going to be thinking they have to outscore the Rams here. Right, like they're gonna have to put up points, and I don't know. Kingsbury's been obviously, you know, weirdly conservative uh, in general during his tenure as a coach. So we'll see if that changes at all. I don't like it's not a miracle. The Rams are a three and a half point favorite. You know what I mean? It's we don't need like some like whatever the Steelers would have needed for the to beat the Chiefs last night. It's nothing like that. And these two teams split this in the regular season. Arizona won at the Rams. So, like, th- this isn't some, you know, David and Goliath matchup or anything like that. I just think the Rams are playing significantly better and have better weapons offensively. So, like, I'll take the Rams in what would be a less than uh, ideal result for the Bucks, But that's, that's just how I'm thinking. I, I think... I think Arizona's been struggling for too long now, and I think it's hard to just like you know flip the switch and play really well all of a sudden. It's so funny you referenced that that Steelers Chiefs game because I was I was literally when you were you were mentioning turnovers being the key, and and Bo said you know maybe the defense scores or something like because then I immediately pictured that TJ Watt scoop and score last night to put the Steelers up seven nothing. But you're still like doesn't matter, right? You're not even for you're just like at least you're just all you're thinking then is oh at least I can pretend to be interested in this game a little longer than I would have been. um, but if that happens tonight, if that happens tonight, that's a huge swing. Like that, that could change the, the result of the game, something like that, because the teams yeah. are a lot closer. And you know, and sorry, you know, another so, so two things. When when Pittsburgh scored that touchdown, the live line moved to Kansas City minus three and a half, and I just, I was like, mm, I don't know, like like whatever. I just didn't really feel like betting it. I was like, they're gonna win, and they're gonna yeah. kill them. And like, you know, it, they were up 14, seven. So covering that short three and a half number, like what, five minutes later, five minutes of game time later is so ridiculous. Um, but from a Rams perspective, you know, Stafford still hasn't done anything. It that I don't mean that in a, no, in a he hasn't done anything in consistently. A, 
Yeah, and like he hasn't done anything in the playoffs, and that's because he played for the the line. I'm just saying, like, this is a big spot for him. I'd yeah. like to see how free or tight he looks in the first quarter here because you know everything was about the Rams getting Stafford. He's gonna put them over the top. Well, he better win his first home playoff game then, right? Like I'm not actually saying that. I'm just saying that's what the narrative will be. I, I'm not gonna say he sucks or he's awesome as a result of one game, but like to kind of justify it all, and after all this, the Rams had a great year. They still need to beat a team that they had lost to at home already this season. Like, so it's there's a lot on the line. Yeah, Stafford has 17. He's thrown 17 interceptions this year. Like, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, and a lot in the second half of the season. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, because he right. was the MVP after week eight, and I know that's ridiculous because that's less than halfway through the season. But he really he was like. And deservedly so. And he's completely fallen off that with all these picks. I don't know. What, what, what do you guys think? How do you, like, do you have a score prediction? Like, how do you think this plays out? Well, well before we get to the score prediction, um, just looking at both teams as potential Bucks uh, opponents, okay, yeah. it'd be kind of tough if something was actually wrong with Tristan Wirfs. And I don't think there is um, to face either Von Miller or Chandler Jones or JJ Watt on the right side of that line. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I'd be more worried of the Rams line in general. Uh, those, those are two really good pass rushes. Yeah. And uh, it's, that's tough. That's, those are athletic teams, athletic defenses either way. But I got to think if you're Tampa, you're, you'd, you'd much rather avoid, um, that Rams defensive front. 100%. 100%. Especially if our O-line's banged up, for sure. I'd rather take take our chances. I mean, we still got, you know, um, yeah, I I would much rather that. Absolutely. And with Jensen banged up, man, trying to, like, match Aaron Aaron Donald Donald. if if he was... It doesn't Um, matter who's in front of Aaron Donald, though, at at least. That's true. But you just have to deal with that part. But one of that's the kind of like... Also, we didn't get to Vita Vea. Vita Vea, like, actually, like, manhandled Jason Kelsey... For most of that game, like Ray Dalton. Yeah, you know what? I was listening to Ben Solak of the Ringer. Um, yeah. just he's an Eagles fan, I guess. He's a young guy, a bright yeah. football guy. I know, I know surprising you. when you see him the first time you see him, hey. Yeah, you look, I thought I, I was like, did I use a babysit this kid? Like <laughs> I was like, what did I do with my life? And like knows, I missed like all of my twenties, I think. Yeah, but he knows a lot more <laughs> about football than I do. Um yeah. but anyway, he 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 was very diplomatic in stating that as good as Kelsey is, and he wouldn't trade him for any center in the league because they were talking about the centers, such as like Ryan Jensen and how Kelsey stacks up. You know, he's such a Philly guy. He loves Kelsey. He's synonymous with that that team and that yeah. franchise and that city. Um, he he was just saying, though, matching up against Vita Vea is an awful matchup for him. Like, he struggles with bull rushers, and there's no more fierce bull rusher oh my God. at that spot um, in the league than Vita Vea. So, good call, Bo. You're right, and and – Shout out to Ben Solak of the Ringer because he he did predict that exact exact outcome on that in that specific matchup. Um, let's quickly because we don't have a ton of time, boys. So let's like let's try and be relatively concise, but still offer our our analysis, our thoughts, and then move on in terms of the games that just happened. And then I want to see if we have time, we'll take a little look ahead to the divisional round. Are you guys good with that? Yeah, yes, let's do I'm gonna, it. I'm gonna go in terms of how the games were played. Um, so. 
outside of the box, obviously. So Raiders 19, Bengals 26. I feel like that game kind of just like went how you thought it would, at least like from my vantage point. Like there was no real surprises there. That it kind of ended up playing out how you might how you thought it might. Well, seven point game, and there was a seven point play where uh it probably should have been called dead. <laughs> that that was like a really weird I, I think the right thing happened because it would have been an error whistle. And I don't think it made guys let up that much, but I'm talking about the, I think it was in the second quarter um, just before half uh, burrow rolling, yeah. right. Gets close to the sideline and the ref, I think he actually let go of the ball first. And oh, yeah. like, while the ball was in the air, the ref blows a whistle. Tyler Boyd comes down with it in the end zone, celebrates for a second, then looks around and everybody's looking around like, wait, what's going on? And like minutes later, they give the touchdown signal. Um, so and it does it. It comes down to a seven point game after that. Um, really weird play, dude. So weird. I was watching that game with the sound off because I had the sound on a basketball game. Anyway, yeah. I was trying to figure out what the hell happened <laughs> in like, and then it's like, okay, so they did score, and even Boyd didn't sell it. Like, it yeah, was, that was just a bizarre play and that put him up 20 to 6 i think um and it was yeah, pretty clear on the replay like very clear on the replay that it, like he wasn't yeah. he let it go well before him yeah so like new york or whoever the eye in the sky which we've now learned can literally tell the refs before so a coach doesn't have to challenge it they could be like no you got that wrong quickly change it deliberate yeah. make the change um as Tariko told us this weekend and i feel like no one actually knew that but um mm. In, in terms of that play. So, yeah, they did that in terms of Burrow being inbound still, right, which was true. Yeah. But I, what, what I didn't know, but the rule is if a if a whistle is blown, whether inadvertent or otherwise, while yeah. the play is going on, the play is dead no matter and what. it should have so, been off, yeah. And, and it, if, if that's the rule, it is un – you can't even dispute the fact that it happened before the player caught the ball. Before, yeah. before Not even the caught the ball. It's literally in the air. It's so obvious. Everyone knows it. And then after, I guess the rest, they they justified it in, by saying that um, when they were addressed or uh, questioned about it, point blank, they, the the head of officials or something or the that of that crew said uh, the the they felt the player had secured the ball before the whistle blew inadvertently, and that's why they let it go. And I'm like, okay, that's absolute bullshit. Like no one in any way. No, it's not wrong. even. It's not even. It's not right. It's, this is no, black and white like, here. This is black and yeah, white. Yeah, like. Yeah, it was if awful. I was a Raiders was... fan, and I know a few Raiders fans in my family, they were not not happy with the way that ended. And I think it kind of breezed everybody breezed over it because uh, the Raiders actually got the ball back and like put a two minute drill together and scored right after that. But and it went into the gate, yeah. the, went into half a lot closer to what it would have been. But it was uh, I, I would I would replay that a lot if I was a ra- tortured Raiders fan. Yeah, uh, that was tough. And uh, speaking of the Raiders, Mike Mayock is gone. Um, Scott, you yeah. shared that before, shortly before we went on. Was it Scott or Bo? Yeah. Bo shared yeah, that. I, um, yeah. So Bo broke the news. That means so he, wow. gets, he, he gets cool points. Capron cool points. Bo bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Bo bomb. Via Ian Rappaport. So I mean, Yard. that strikes me, especially like you know, I'm a sucker for for Mayock, but maybe this means he'll be back with NFL Network. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Um, that's like, one less job for us though we had our eyes on that that's true but when mayock's back with nfl network i feel like that's when the the covid19 pandemic is going to end like things just are coming back to normal like the way <laughs> they true. should be life is pure again but i hope he takes some time fought... 
why do you think they fired him? Because he kept he just drafted like a, like some bad dudes, and they were all right. Like let's go, Gruden's gone. We may as well just restart. Like I don't. It seems, yeah, like it, it I think it was a regime strange. thing for sure. Yeah, I think it was prob- a regime thing. They, for sure. It was probably ownership. Weird, right? Like with the yeah. Davis too. Like you'd think they'd give Mayock a go here. Like Mayock's a super good guy. Like he, uh, Scott hates when I do that. I think when I talk like I know the guy, <laughs> he's a good guy. <laughs> oh yeah, we call him Maisie over at the Hallboom House. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Mikey May. But what I mean no, is like, like what I mean is like, know, he's not, like he's not getting caught up in any of the shit. At least I don't think that Gruden did. Like like they're just not the same people. They just work together as football minds and collaborate that. But way. how do you, so, how do you move past that? How do you move past that? If, without, if he was brought in as the Gruden era, the brains behind the desk, like every time you look at Mike Mayock, you kind of are reminded of John Gruden. But then shouldn't yeah. they have just done it then and just like thrown oh, Mayock? Let him, let him get a few checks. He didn't do anything wrong. No, but you all his I mean? team. All his team did, like his draft picks, like Max Crosby become a national, like I know, darling, like workhorse, you know, yeah. nonstop motor, sur- sur- surpassing his own physical limitations with sheer desire and will to be successful. The next JJ Watt, you know, yeah. type thing. No, like, he's he, and like I think like some Raiders fans could be upset about what Mayock did in the first round, but his second, third round, like late in the draft, he he more than made up for his value. It's weird though, right? Because he's had a lot of first round picks, and to whiff on that many's bad. Like, like a lot of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like even Leatherwood yeah. this past year, I actually Leatherwood's to... bad. Leatherwood kind of cost him that game, honestly. Oh God, Leather... poor Leatherwood, the the leader of a group of twelve year old spies. As Scott <laughs> yeah, Capron. he can't solve crimes either. He's terrible. <laughs> that's yeah. That's why he settled on in playing football. Yeah, well, he might have to go get. Go back to his old job, then Jesus, he is knees. Yeah, he's no good. But it's like, is Mayock being blamed? I don't, you know, this is just speculation. I, I'd like to read up a little bit about to a, a, actually why he got fired, but it's just like, is this because of rugs? Like, yeah, or David Arnett, or David Arnett. Arnett too. It's gonna um, be tough to like, there's a lot of like little black marks on like the Mayock, and like, as much as there's the Max Crobbies, there, there are the Dave, Damon Arnett's, the uh. The uh, Henry Ruggs, even Keelan Farrell, and man. Keelan yeah. Farrell, he took yeah. top like fourth overall, I think, fourth ahead, overall. Of Devin, ahead of Devin White. Um, but that's something where I'm a word I'm trying to avoid tonight. Devin and White, we're not going to talk Devin <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Um, in terms of that game, though, I mean, Jamar Chase, like you know, they're going for me. It seemed like Burrow was like, okay, I guess I don't even need to involve T Higgins, or I guess Boyd got involved a little bit. Uzama caught a tutty, but. Um, when Jamar Chase, the way that that guy, his footwork, and he's just so dynamic right now. Like he's just yeah. an elite, elite wide receiver one. So it doesn't even matter if you know that's that's the whole objective of Burrow. You still can't stop it. Is really what it comes down to. Yeah, and, he's uh, better than. Yeah, you he ever put them on notice. Him. Yeah, put them on notice on the first drive. I think he had like three or four catches immediately. Yeah, didn't he matter. Is un- unreal. He yeah. is. So effing good, man. He's so fun to watch. He does it all. He's strong. He's physical. Great hands. He's fat. Like he, like you couldn't ask for more. He's oh, he's he's awesome. They're gonna beat yeah. the Titans. They're gonna beat Tennessee this week. Well, we got that in go. our predictions, both of us, Scott. So Bo will be down two if that happens. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Give me the tits. 
Uh, so let's talk that Pats Bills game a little bit. Not too far from where we're located over in Western New York, Orchard Park. Shout out CM Walter 10 checking us out on YouTube. Oh, uh, what up, Wally? Wally says, Go Bucks. Respect, Wally. Heard we might see you up north this summer for the aforementioned Booze Island trip. Um, sorry, folks. We're just we're just talking our social lives here. But yeah, Pats- clothes optional, man. Pat's, Pat's Bills, Bowden, you got to stand in the rain on this one, buddy. You've been, you've been I'm fine. We talked a lot about <laughs> before these teams played three times in the last couple months. You were all Pat's Pat's train. And um, how disingenuous major... would it be for me to have picked the Bills after all of that? Oh, fair enough. You felt obligated. Fair. Right? That's fair. Yeah. I was backed into a corner. I was hoping for a one possession game. Turned out that was only for the one possession of the game that it was a one possession <laughs> game. Fair enough. So. They're, they're, and That's I mean, really well said. Yeah, yeah. Pat's got a long way to go. Josh Allen looked like the greatest football specimen in the history of football creations. Like that game, that was incredible. Hey, if he plays like that, I mean, and they're running him, and he's he's making throws, he's making reads. They're they're exceptional. I've always just been worried about their floor in a given game is low. That's that's been my thing, and like. Even though they were only eleven and six, they had a ton of close losses. Obviously, right? That's that's my thing with them. I've never been more, like they're good. Is is excellent. That's that hasn't been the issue. It's just, uh, you know, worried about the volatility of them. But we we saw that's as good as a game as good a game as an NFL team can play. They were exceptional. Allen was unbelievable, and they just beat the absolute shit out of the Pats. Like it wasn't. It was never a game. And good for them. And like, how fun did that look on Saturday night? Yeah, that was that was crazy. Um, yeah. Our boy, our boy Vic Razzo, uh, who was in the comments last week, he was at the game. He said he'd go. He said he'd go topless if uh, the the Bills went up eighteen, and that happened. Like, felt like six minutes into the game. So yeah, he sent quarter. me he sent me a video to prove it. It was pretty funny. Uh, Unreal. Shout, shout out to Victor Razzo for that, and congrats to you. Great win. Bills. Great win. And- Utter domination. <laughs> When we have a little bit of time, we'll talk about who the Bills are playing next week because that'll be quite the matchup. Um, I want to just zip through the games that happened, though. Niners-Cowboys. Wow, what a game that was. Um, came right what? down to it. Yeah. What on earth? What the hell? Like, like where do you even start with that one? I Like, the oh, so sorry. I, I guess this is a trend of the podcast, but I also didn't have the sound on watching this game because I had a basketball game on. Um, after the fake punt and they left the punting unit on the field to potentially for San Fran to take a timeout. Like, is that that valuable? I it, also that was, was mind boggled. Like, so it was like watching a foreign language film, but in silence, like I, I couldn't understand. Like, I had no idea what the hell was going on. And I'm, then I finally, I, I changed. Like I, I, muted the other tv and put this one i was like romo's trying to figure it out i was like yeah i've seen people do that i've seen teams do this to try to try to you know make the other team take a time out. who gives a shit who who cares <laughs> like you got the first down and you're down by whatever i think you're down by two scores like 16 at that point go put dak on the field i mean yeah. sorry seems a, little, a, seems, uh, seems a little gimmicky though right it's like let's go is this yeah. the time to be experimenting with these outside of the box little and what is the, what's the real like the timeouts are more valuable for the team that's coming back. So 
you know, if San Fran does have to use a timeout with a 16 point or a 15 point lead or 16 point lead, who cares? Like, I don't, it was just, I don't know. So bizarre that coupled with everything that San Fran did at the end of the game, Debo being just short, then they get, as opposed to just sneaking the ball they're you know, they got Trent Williams in motion. Of course the punter <laughs> kicks it into that, the fucking end zone. Right. So then Dallas has a chance. And then the, you know, maybe a worse quarterback's run call than the Giants' uh, quarterback sneak from their on third and four in week uh, week eighteen against the Skins. There, like, there wasn't enough time to do that. You just can't do that. No. I'm sorry. And then, I, I don't know. Like, there is no way. Like, to get everyone lined up, it's not worth the risk. Like, it's just not the, worth the risk. It's I, I don't know. It's not like they were too far to take a shot anyway. Um, so I understand what you're saying in terms of not liking that play call. I think if you're going to do that with your quarterback, he's got to be aware of when to slide. And obviously he needed to slide a little bit earlier. Dak did a good job post-game addressing that. But um, a, lot of, a lot of people think that makes a lot of sense to still run that play to get that yardage as long as your quarterback is aware of the time. It's a lot to ask your quarterback, obviously. That's why I say like maybe someone who really is experienced. But to, to take a knee – or sorry, to slide early enough to get it back and then handing it to the center as opposed to giving it right to the to the linesman. But, sorry, but the just that right there, that right there is too much can happen. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to throwing a nine yard out in that spot. Like and the as, risk as if, is, just, is not worth the reward. It's And it, all that on Dak is too much. It's too much on Dak. Like he's got trying yeah. to think of where they're all, every player on the field is going to be, who's coming in motion. Like it's a, there's enough. And what if the ref's out of position? so then it's done because the ref doesn't get doesn't spot the ball it just it's there's no way that that just can't that can't be what you do and i saw i think it was jeff schwartz made the comments about um you know you can't praise kellen moore for everything good offensively and then kill mike mccarthy for that at the end of the game which i totally agree with um it's one or the other which we we've discussed this on the pod the dichotomy of how teams work and who does what is fascinating to me because it feels like you just like the, the narrative is to just kill whoever has frequently been the scapegoat. And then you just do that. Well, well listen, McCarthy isn't a good coach and he might've cost him the game anyway, but like, listen, was it him or was it Kellen Moore? Cause you can't yeah. have that both ways. That is a right. Capron classic right there, that critique. And you're right. That's a perfect example, right? Well, who are we supposed to blame? Well, damn right. If you're not going to tell us who's making these decisions, we'll blame the one we don't like and we'll praise the exactly. one Exactly. <laughs> or like, listen, fucking send out an email blast at the start of the season. This is what this person actually does, you know, right? Like, oh, uh, they used to say that with about Gruden and the Raiders all the time. Oh, Gruden's making the picks. So then, so why is Mike Mayock there? And if he's like, so, but people just say it flippantly, like as if it doesn't matter. No, it matters who is actually doing the thing that is being discussed. I, I'd like the role allocation part of it with the NFL is wild to me. I'll never understand it. But anyways, this was just another example. And Dallas, sorry, back to the actual game. Dallas was un, unprepared, didn't deserve to win. It was a miracle that they had a chance to win at the end of the game. Yeah. And like, what's going on with the stadium? <laughs> yeah. Well, you mean people crying when they're making a push to come back and they have a legit chance to win the game? Like that kind no, of thing? I'm, I'm talking about the sun coming in and affecting the game because Jerry <laughs> yeah. Jones wanted a window. 
Like you're in and Texas. hitting the scoreboard on the punt. Oh, it's so ridiculous. They're they are a ridiculous franchise, man. Like I I was I heard something today, uh, you know, talking about um who's gonna be the next coach. And apparently like the biggest skill that Jason Garrett had was he knew how to talk to and like massage his relationship with Jerry Jones. Yeah. How can you ever how can you ever be a functional franchise if that's what you need to do in order to be the coach? Like the owner who is making personnel decisions, it just doesn't make any sense. It's it's so wild. They're they're a disaster, honestly. Yeah, you shouldn't have to worry about that. I mean, yeah, I know, but that yeah, that's just bad ownership, right? I, yeah. I guess it's bad yeah. ownership, but I don't know. If I was if I had a billion dollars in a team, like I don't know, I kind of want it. I'd I'd be like, yo, are you guys listening to our podcast? Because we've got some really good suggestions on what you guys should be doing. I mean, obviously, I'm with that. Uh, <laughs> that's a good realistic take though bo you're like because if we were on on the team we'd probably want to say but i guess you hire like, if you love football like jerry jones loves football right yeah. on all accounts like he's the most player owner that there is like Deion sanders just calls him in the middle of an interview and he picks up it's insane yeah but he's also yeah. like self-proclaimed gm like like he's like yeah. hires this kid and makes the draft picks right like that's the difference but isn't there also another legend that we know in New England who hires his kid to run his defense? Oh my God, how funny is that? Speaking of piling on the, yeah. the, the Belichick, uh, Rat Tail or Mullet or whoever he is, like that defense got absolutely stomped, and it was hilarious to see his name come up. Yeah, um, talking about Bill Belichick's son. I don't know his first name. Um, Steve, Steve, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, Steve. Russ Weeks. Russ Weeks watching on YouTube. Do you think John Brown will make it into the lineup? Maybe as a better slot option. Um, in terms of John Brown, I don't expect to necessarily see him like they're not going to move on from Tyler Johnson, who's often occupying that slot position right now. Um, I don't think they just picked John Brown up. I think it's more of an emergency thing yeah, if they're absolutely insurance. screwed. Uh, someone Bruce Arians has familiarity with from their days in Arizona. That's my opinion on that. Um, Russ Weeks goes on to say about Dallas has coaching problems and they'll do keep McCarthy for another 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Like that's a thing. Scott, when we were talking about this, Scott was like, McCarthy could get fired. Like we all think he sucks. And I was like, but the problem is, is Jerry, once he picks like Jason Garrett lasted how long? So way too long. I'm pretty sure they came out and said McCarthy's safe for next season. Probably probably. Cause again, Jerry probably hired a guy who like agreed and that he would let him have a certain amount of control behind the scenes. Who knows? Um, I had guys, I had initially thought we could tee up these games for next weekend, but I'm thinking we might have to just do a podcast before next weekend where we can focus strictly Please. on previewing those games. Cause I don't want to rush through it. And we're, we're just over an hour already, which is normally when we cap ourselves, kick ourselves out of the bar. And, uh, we're going to do that now. Not sure why I just used a Boston accent. Um, <laughs> Anyway, thanks for joining us, everyone, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, or even on Twitch. I saw we had a couple of viewers in there, so we really appreciate it. Please don't forget to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Bucks Banter, and um, keep listening to the show because we love to involve our listeners and talk Buccaneers and NFL football. It's the best time of the year. We're going to go watch some playoff football right now. Uh, go Cardinals. Go Cardinals. See you, boys. For sure. Good night, man.